Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Portico Podcast. This is Mike Casey, the founder of Portico Advisors, LLC. And before I get on to the discussion about the four dynamics shaping global private markets, I want to take a few minutes for some housekeeping. So when I say thank you for listening, I mean it. This is a niche podcast that doesn't advertise really. And yet you've helped us rise to the top 10% of shows when measured by downloads within the first week of an episode's release. Now, I hadn't thought to look at these figures until an enterprising PR professional reached out with an idea for an episode and subsequently asked for our metrics. It turns out that they're strong. This gets to a question that has come up with increasing frequency over the last few months, and I want to address it head on. The question being, how much do guests pay to appear on the show? The answer is nothing. Zero. The entire premise of the show tilts against the prevalence of pay-to-play appearances on conference panels, webinars, podcasts, etc. The Portico podcast exists to elevate voices and perspectives that I believe the world should hear. It's a different take on the concept of earned media. The vast majority of our guests are not clients, and for that matter, the vast majority of our clients have not been guests. Uh, This is a very dumb business decision. To put this in context... Each guest who comes on the show gets direct access to an audience on par with a speaking slot at Super Return or the old IFC MPA Global Private Equity Conference. And that's just within the first seven days. It does not include the lifetime value that the firm can extract from sharing, repurposing, or reusing the content. And, you know, the way I run this is that our guests are free to use the podcast however they want. Now, private markets event sponsorships run in the tens of thousands of dollars. And most of the people in the room, when the sponsors are speaking, are staring at their phones, or they're leaving the room to network. This show's listeners actually want to hear what the guests have to say. You know, I'm a bit of a sentimental chap, so it's deeply gratifying that this loss-leading labor of love is resonating with so many listeners and providing our guests access to such large audiences. This is a victory. That said, I'm clearly leaving money on the table. Money that could be used to grow the show, grow Portico as a business. So I'm wondering if I should open this up to sponsors and add a revenue line. I would only do so in a manner that's transparent and aligned with the premise of the show while also delivering something of value to the sponsor. If you're interested or just have an idea, then consider this an open solicitation from Miguel here for a conversation. I'd be delighted to chat about it. Either way, the show goes on. All right, with that out of the way, let's get to the main event for today's episode. For a variety of reasons, it's been a minute since Portico's released a research study. In large part, it's because the private markets industry moves slowly. The trends tend to be durable. But over the last year, numerous developments have shaped the strategic environment in which fund managers and investors are operating, and those developments require industry participants to take action now. So, What are the most important dynamics shaping the private markets industry today? I would highlight four. One, primary fundraising is extremely challenging. Two, consolidation is transforming the strategic landscape. Three, the difficult macro environment is necessitating novel liquidity solutions. And four, crypto is emerging as an institutional asset class. 
These four dynamics present urgent and existential risks to fund managers, and they demand immediate action. I've included a link in the show notes for you to download slides with some relevant data. This commentary here on the podcast provides some additional color. All right, let's move on. Number one, primary fundraising is extremely challenging. So when Portico opened its doors six years ago, two foundational trends were abundantly clear. First, capital was concentrating in fewer, larger firms. And second, the outlook for EM-focused funds was dour indeed. The fundraising landscape has only gotten more challenging, with most capital flowing now to North America and funds greater than $1 billion in size. To wit, annual fundraising flows in North America grew by $300 billion between 2016 and 2021, increasing the region's share of global fundraising from 51% to 62%. The volume of funds going to Asia and the rest of world category declined by $65 billion, or 28%. Funds greater than $1 billion in size also attracted an incremental $300 billion in annual flows, increasing their market share from 56% to 66%, while fundraising for vehicles less than $500 million declined by $23 billion, or 9%. So since 2018, there's been a dramatic step up in the duration of fundraising campaigns in Africa, Central and Eastern Europe, Latin America, and South and Southeast Asia. In these geographies, managers can now expect to spend between two to four years on the road on average before reaching a final close. The extension of timetables can't be explained solely by COVID-19 as the campaigns for North American funds increased negligibly from only about 15 months on average to 17. Now, our conversations with investors suggest that LP appetite for funds in the broader EM complex right now is de minimis. And subscale vehicles basically 500 million or lower, in North America and Western Europe are becoming a heavier lift as well, even for established firms with competitive track records. More generally, LPs have been slogging through a backlog of re-ups from existing managers, limiting their appetite and bandwidth for new relationships. Looking ahead, the so-called denominator effect is likely to reduce fund commitments over the medium term as LPs seek to hit their target allocations over time and offset the discounts they face in secondary markets. Alas, the feast or famine fundraising environment that we described six years ago is just getting harsher. And this is happening at a time when the competitive landscape is growing in intensity. More than 7,500 funds were in the market last month, up from roughly 3,000 at the end of 2016. So primary fundraising is not impossible, but the pressures on managers operating in complex markets or simply offering sub $500 million funds are immense. Success requires an uncommon degree of grit, a clear elucidation of one's differentiation, and an investment in educating LPs on one's opportunity set. You need to stand out and stand apart with a clear edge and a compelling story. Given this backdrop, we've revised and updated our Insider's Guide to Raising a Fund, The Art of the Pitch Book, and are now making it available for everyone for free. As one LP put it to us, you're kind of giving away the house with this. I tend to agree, but we're doing it anyway. So visit porticoadvisors.com forward slash pitchbook to grab your copy. Okay, number two, consolidation is transforming the strategic landscape. Okay, so scale matters. Large asset managers are using M&A to marry differentiated strategies and geographic reach with their strengths and distribution. This is exacerbating the fundraising pressures besetting subscale managers 
and creating existential franchise risk. It's hard to overstate just how urgently firms should be exploring M&A and joint ventures as a means of survival. A few prevalent strategies to highlight. So, A, sell to a private markets firm. Consider here Apollo's acquisition of minority stakes and two premier specialist firms that could continue to raise standalone funds. Motive Partners in the fintech vertical and Sofanova Partners in life sciences. Or you could take EQT's acquisition of Bering Asia and LSP or life sciences partners. Okay, B, sell to a traditional asset manager. And here, the move is to enable or extend the private markets capabilities of public markets-oriented firms. Some examples here would include T. Rowe Price's acquisition of Oak Hill Advisors and Franklin Templeton's acquisition of Lexington Partners. Okay, option C, combine with another manager. Here, the move is to increase scale and strengthen your competitive positioning with a peer that offers geographic reach or complementary capabilities. One example we've covered in Portico's newsletter previously is Patria's combination with Chile's Monita Asset Management. Now, according to data from Piper Sandler, there have been 288 acquisitions of alternative asset firms since 2018, roughly 40% of which were private equity firms. If you're a fund manager, you really need to grapple with two questions. First, does your firm still have product market fit, or are you selling a product the market's no longer buying? Second, how would M&A, a joint venture, or a strategic partnership improve your firm's fundraising prospects and re-rate its equity value? Your ability to retain talent hinges on your ability to raise capital. There are large asset managers that will poach your best deal makers to bolster their capacities in a given geography or vertical and leave you in a lurch. The clock is ticking. Three, the difficult macro backdrop calls for novel liquidity solutions. Okay, everyone's talking about it. Inflation, rising rates, energy, geopolitics. All of these are leading to increased uncertainty and a slowdown in exits. One of the primary ways they're doing so is via secondaries. According to Lazard, the volume of GP-led secondaries grew from $7 billion to $63 billion between 2016 and 2021. Though GP-leds have been concentrated in North American buyouts, there's substantial room for managers operating growth in VC strategies, as well as those active in other geographies, to harness secondaries. Continuation funds, whether single or multi-asset, have emerged as the predominant choice for sponsor-led secondaries, though tender offers, strip sales, and preferred equity deals remain viable. While only 20% of GP-leds included a primary staple last year, the ability to distribute capital is becoming ever more important given the grueling landscape for primary fundraising. If you're a fund manager, you should be scouring your portfolio to identify potential candidates for a novel liquidity solution, especially if you're in fundraising campaign or embarking on one soon. All right, number four, crypto can't be ignored. Despite price volatility, regulatory uncertainty, a profusion of poorly written code, and an astonishingly vast number of scams and scumbags, crypto is emerging as an institutional asset class. It is sensible to be skeptical. You definitely should not go buy a bunch of tokens after listening to this. Nevertheless, Portico believes that this will be the decade of digital assets and that crypto provides new rails and primitives for transformational business model innovation. The value of equity rounds and M&A activity in the sector has exploded, reaching about $90 billion last year. 
LPs have taken notice, with crypto-focused funds raising approximately $19 billion in 2021, coming within a whisker of the $20 billion that all private market strategies raised for the so-called rest-of-world geographies. Unsurprisingly, large incumbents such as Apollo, Bain, Blackstone, and KKR are building knowledge and capabilities in the space to meet LP demand and seize early mover advantage. Admittedly, some investors have been too credulous, moved too quickly, and made embarrassing and costly decisions. Look no further, for example, than CDPQ and Celsius or Galaxy Digital Holdings and the Terra Luna fiasco. These are cautionary tales indeed. Crypto is the Wild West, but it is the largest emerging market I see. If you're not developing knowledge or recruiting talent in the space, why not? Okay. So, what is to be done? The primary fundraising landscape is extremely challenging? Well, then invest in LP education, your firm's differentiation, and the institutionalization of your processes, back office, reporting, etc. Okay, two, consolidation is transforming the strategic landscape? Then go out and explore JVs and M&A opportunities for your firm. Three, the exceedingly difficult macro environment is calling for novel liquidity solutions? will identify creative ways to generate distributions. And four, crypto's emerging as an institutionalized asset class. Go out, develop knowledge, and recruit talent in the space. So those are the four dynamics that I see shaping the landscape for the foreseeable future. I've highlighted four high-level things that you can do to confront these challenges head-on. Portico stands ready to help. Send me an email, mike at porticoadvisors.com. Go and download a copy of our Insider's Guide to Raising a Fund. Uh, I'll include the link in the show notes so that you can have it readily available there. Otherwise, it's just porticoadvisors.com forward slash pitchbook. I've talked enough here. We're going to be back soon with our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, I'm pretty jazzed up. We've got um, an episode coming out on financing refugees and displaced communities. So stay tuned and stay well. Thank you for listening. Abiento. The discussion in this podcast was for informational purposes only. Neither Portico Advisors LLC nor its guests plan to update this material, and the opinions and conclusions mentioned may change without notice. Neither Portico Advisors LLC nor its guests make any warranty that the information in this podcast is error-free, omission-free, complete, accurate, or reliable. Nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal, tax, securities, or investment advice.